desire by james stevens published 1920 recorded for dreams collection 1 stories and poems by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana in january 2020 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org desire by james stevens he was quite excited as he told the story to his wife and in the telling he revealed to her a depth of credulity of which she would not have believed him capable he was a hard-headed man and conducted his business on hard-headed principles indeed he had conducted his courtship and matrimonial affairs in a manner which she would not have termed reckless or romantic when therefore she found him excited and over such a story she did not know what to think she ended by agreeing with him not because her reason was satisfied or even touched but simply because he was excited and women generally welcome anything which disturbs or varies the dull round of use and want and will bathe in excitement whenever they get the chance this was the story he told as he was walking down grafton street to lunch a motor-car came spinning down the road at a speed much too dangerous for that narrow and always congested thoroughfare a man was walking in front of him and just as the car came behind this man stepped off the path with a view to crossing the road he did not even look behind as he stepped off her husband on that moment stretched forth a long muscular arm that swept the man back to the pavement one second before the car went blaring and buzzing by. "'If I had not been there,' said her husband. The two men grinned at each other, her husband smiling with good fellowship, the other crinkling with amusement and gratitude. They walked together down the street, and they had lunch together. They sat for a long time after lunch, smoking innumerable cigarettes, and engaged in a conversation which she could never have believed her husband would have stood for ten minutes, and they parted with an expressed wish from her husband that they should meet again on the following day, and a wordless smile from the man. He had neither ratified nor negatived the arrangement. "'I hope he'll turn up,' said her husband." it was this conversation had excited her man for it had drawn him into a mental atmosphere to which he was a stranger and he had found himself moving there with such ease and pleasure that he wished to get back to it as often and with as little delay as possible briefly as he explained it to her the atmosphere was religious and while it was entirely intellectual it was more heady and exhilarating than the emotional religion to which he had been accustomed and from which he had long since passed he tried to describe his companion but had such ill success that she could not remember afterwards whether he was tall or short fat or thin fair or dark it was the man's eyes only he succeeded in emphasizing and these it appeared were eyes such as he had never before seen in a human face that also he said was a wrong way of putting it for his eyes were exactly like everybody else's it was the way he looked through them that was different something very steady very ardent immensely quiet and powerful was using those eyes for purposes of vision he had never met any one who looked at him so directly, so comprehendingly, so agreeably. 
you are in love said she with a laugh after this her husband's explanations became more explanatory but not less confused until she found that they were both with curious unconsciousness in the middle of a fairy tale he asked me said her husband what was the thing i wished for beyond all things that is the most difficult question i have ever been invited to answer he went on and for nearly half an hour we sat quietly thinking it out and discussing various magnificences and chances in life i had all the usual thoughts and of course the first of them was wealth i mentioned it too tentatively as a possibility and he agreed that it was worth considering but after a while i knew that i did not want money one always has need of money said his wife in a way that is true said he but not in this way for as i thought it over i remembered that we have no children and that we have few desires which the money we have already gathered cannot buy also we are fairly well off we have enough in the stocking to last our time even if i ceased from business which i am not going to do and in short i discovered that money or its purchasing power had not any particular advantages to offer all the same said she and halted with her eyes fixed on bonnets far away in time and space all the same he agreed with a smile i could not think of anything worth wishing for he continued i mentioned health and wisdom and we spoke of these but judging myself by the standard of the world in which we move i concluded that both my health and knowledge were as good as the next man's and i thought if i elected to become wiser than my contemporaries i might be a very lonely person for the rest of my days yes she said thoughtfully i am glad you did not ask to be made wise unless you could have asked it for the both of us i asked him in the end what he would advise me to demand but he replied that he could not advise me at all behind everything stands desire said he and you must find out your desire i asked him then if the opportunity came to him what he would ask for not in order that i might copy his wish but from sheer curiosity and he replied that he would not ask for anything and i was about to adopt that attitude oh said his wife when an idea came to me here i am i said to myself forty-eight years of age rich enough sound enough in wind and limb and as wise as i can afford to be what is there now belonging to me absolutely mine but from which i must part and which i would like to keep and i saw that the thing which was leaving me day by day second by second irretrievably and inevitably was my forty-eight years and i thought i would like to continue at the age of forty-eight until my time was up i did not ask to live forever or any of that nonsense but i asked to be allowed to stay at the age of forty-eight years with all the equipment of my present state unimpaired you should not have asked for such a thing said his wife a little angrily it is not fair to me you are older than i am now but in a few years this will mean that i shall be needlessly older than you i think it was not a loyal wish i thought of that objection said he and i also thought that i was past the age at which certain things matter and that both temperamentally and in the matter of years i was proof against well say feminine attractions 
or femininity of any kind it seemed to me to be right so i just registered my wish with him what did he say she queried he did not say anything he just nodded and began to talk again of other matters religion life death mind a host of things which for all the diversity they seem to have when i enumerate them were yet one single theme i feel a more contented man to-night than i have ever felt he continued and i feel in some curious way a different person from the man i was yesterday here his wife woke up as it were from the conversation and began to laugh you are a foolish man said she and i am just as bad if any one were to hear us talking this solemn silliness he would have a right to mock at us he laughed heartily with her and after a supper they went to bed during the night his wife had a dream she dreamt that a ship set off for the polar seas on an expedition in which she was not sufficiently interested to find out its reason the ship departed with her on board for a time she was concerned with baggage and with counting and going over various articles she had brought against the arctic weather she had thick woolen stockings she had skin boots all hairy inside all pliable and wrinkled without she had a great skin cap shaped like a helmet and fitting down in a cape over the shoulders she had even and it did not astonish her a pair of very baggy fur trousers she had a sleeping sack she had an enormous quantity of things and everybody in the expedition was equipped if not with the same things at least similarly these traps were an unending subject of conversation aboard and although days and weeks passed the talk of the ship hovered about and fell continually into the subject of warm clothing there came a day when the weather began to be perceptibly colder so cold indeed that she was tempted to draw on these wonderful breeches and fit her head into that most cosy hat but she did not do so for and everybody on the ship explained it to her it was necessary that she should accustom herself to the feeling of cold and she was further informed the chill which she was now feeling was nothing to the chill she would presently have to bear it seemed good advice and she decided that as long as she could bear the cold she would do so and would not put on any protective covering thus when the cold became really intense she would be to some degree ready for it and would not suffer so much but steadily and day by day it became colder and now they were in wild and whirling seas wherein great green and white icebergs went sailing by and all about the ship little hummocks of ice bobbed and surged and went under and came up and the gray water slashed and hissed against and on top of these small hillocks her hands were so chilly that she had to put them under her armpits to keep any warmth in them and her feet were in a worse condition they had begun to pain her so she decided that on the next day she would put on her winter equipment and would not mind what anybody said to the contrary it is cold enough said she for my arctic trousers and my warm soft boots and my great furry gloves i will put them on in the morning for it was then almost night and she meant to go to bed at once she did go to bed and she lay there quite cold and miserable 
in the morning she was yet colder and immediately on rising she looked about for the winter clothing which she had laid ready by the side of her bunk the night before but she could not find them she was forced to dress in her usual rather thin clothes and having done so she went on deck when she got to the side of the vessel she found that the world about her was changed the sea had disappeared far as the eye could go was a level plain of ice not white but gray and over it there lowered a sky gray as itself and of almost the same shade across this waste there blew a bitter and piercing wind so that her ears tingled and stung no one was moving on the ship and the dead silence which brooded on the snow lay heavy and almost solid on the vessel she ran to the other side and found that the whole ship's company had landed and were staring at her from a little distance of the land and these people were as silent as the frozen air as the frozen ship they stared at her and made no move and made no sound she noticed that they were all dressed in their winter furs and while she stood ice began to creep into her veins one of the ship's company suddenly strode forward a few paces and held up a bundle in his mittened hand she saw the bundle contained her clothes her broad furry trousers her great cosy helmet and gloves to get from the ship to the ice was painful but not difficult for a rope ladder was hanging against the side and down this she went the rungs felt hard as iron for they were frozen stiff and the touch of those glassy surfaces bit into her tender hand like fire but she got to the ice and went across it towards her companions then to her dismay to her terror all these suddenly with one unexpressed accord turned and began to run swiftly away from her and she with a heart that could scarcely beat took after them every few paces she fell for her shoes could not grip on the ice and each time she fell those monsters stood and turned and watched her and the man who had her clothes waved the bundle at her and danced grotesquely silently she continued running sliding falling picking herself up until her breath went and she came to a halt unable to move a limb further and scarcely able to breathe and this time they did not stay to look at her they continued running but now with greater and greater speed and she saw them become black specks away on the white distance and she saw them disappear and there was nothing left where she stared but the long white miles and the terrible silence and the cold how cold it was and with that there rose again a little wind keen as a razor which whipped into her face swirled about her ankles like a whip and stabbed under her armpits like a dagger i am cold she muttered she looked backwards whence she had come but the ship was no longer in sight and she could not remember in what direction it lay then she began to run in any direction indeed she ran in every direction to find the ship for when she had taken an hundred steps in one way she thought frantically this is not the way and at once she began to run on the opposite road but run as she might she could not get warm it was colder she got and then she slipped again and went sliding down a hollow faster and faster she came to the brink of a cleft and swished over this and down into a hole of ice and there she lay i shall die she said 
i shall fall asleep here and die then she awoke she opened her eyes directly on the window and saw the dawn struggling with the darkness a film of grayish light which framed the window but did not lift the obscurity of the room and she lay for a second smiling to herself at the grotesque dream and thanking god it had only been a dream the next second she felt that she was cold she pulled the clothes more tightly about her and she spoke to her husband how miserably cold it is she said she turned over in the bed and lay against him for warmth and then she found that the atrocious cold came from him that it was he she leaped out of the bed with a scream switched on the light and bent over him he was stone dead he was stone cold and she stood by him shivering and whimpering end of desire by james stevens